Hello and welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm Chris Lee, joined by Luke Wyatt and Billy Derrick. Our podcast is part of the 440 Sports Network. So if you want to get your Titans podcast, your Predators podcast, your soccer podcast, whatever, go check that out. They have good content there. And before we begin today, some shout-outs to our sponsors. If you're dreading laundry day and it is stealing time from the stuff that you truly enjoy, let the laundry professionals at the Wash House take care of that for you. With two convenient locations in the Nashville area, just drop off your dirty laundry and our professional attendants can give you back the one thing you can never have enough of, and that is your time. Within 24 hours, Pick up your nicely folded, fresh, and clean laundry ready to be put away. Check out washhouseclean.com. Stop in today. Get your time back. Steve Andrews runs that company. Good friend of mine. Vanderbilt fan for a long time. Friend of the show. So please patronize his business and help out the folks who help us. Our guests today, well, I guess that's our co-hosts, Luke and Billy appear on the guest line, which is brought to you by the Murfreesboro Pure Milk Studio and, uh, excuse me, presented by the Murfreesboro Pure Milk Company, a family-owned third-generation milk and ice cream distribution company located in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. They have a partnership with Purity Dairies that has lasted over 50 years. They bring Mayfield, Nestle, haagen ice cream to customers, too. Those are in southern Kentucky, northern Alabama, north Georgia. Go to them at mpmci.com and find out more, but uh, boy, ice cream, guys. We might need a lot of ice cream <laughs> to, to, to ease the pain this season for fans, I guess. That's a good way to put it. And uh, homemade vanilla, still my favorite. Love the moose tracks, but that one's good too. Um, yeah, great stuff, great folks, and again, help out the people who help out our show. All right, gentlemen. You've hopped off the moose tracks bandwagon, Chris. What's going on there? Well, you just you just got to try some different things. I'm, I've always been a I've, I've been a homemade vanilla guy for a while. Um, Keep it so classic. We, we were sampling the flavors and uh, got around to that. I was like, boy, theirs is good. Here's so. a question: What's the difference in vanilla and vanilla bean? Oh, uh, the, the same. It, it just tastes a lot different. Homemade vanilla tastes it's just richer. It's probably worse for you, which is probably why it tastes so good. <laughs> It's, but it's like I, I do make my own ice cream from time to time. Uh, and if you've ever had homemade vanilla in an ice cream freezer, it is one of the best things that you can get your hands on. And that is that's about as close to that as you can get what Purity makes. So, yeah, I think uh, I think some fans would could use some more ice cream the rest of this season. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's, ice cream's always a good plan, guys. Sure. Well, uh, Vanderbilt changed plan a little bit last week. Went to Ken Seals. I suspect that's what's going to happen again this week. Hey, they, they cleaned up the turnovers. We'll give them that. Uh, still end up losing by 17 points. All right, I'll start with you, Luke, and then go to you, Billy. Where do, where do we find hope for the second half of the season? Well, uh, the fact that you, you watch football every weekend and there's upsets every weekend, so there's your hope. You know, because we're going to be an underdog in every game, probably a double-digit underdog in the last six games. But there's always no upsets, just like there was two last year. Uh, you know, and no one thought we – everyone thought we were going to go 0-8 in the conference last year, uh, and it didn't happen. So, hopefully that will happen again this year. Uh, I think the disappointment is 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 palpable because 
I can hear it in Clark's voice. Uh, just talking to people over there, they're definitely not where they thought they'd be. I think they all thought they'd be at worst three and three or four and two right now. And uh, you know, when you're not, when you don't meet expectations, which is a good thing that you have expectations. <laughs> let's let's say that you know, people want to criticize that you say, well, you know, our goal is to for postseason play. To me, that should be your goal every year. And uh, I just think that there's a lot of disappointment to go around, and uh, I'm looking for leadership in that locker room. Uh, I said this on the uh, post game with Joey the other day. You know, Tim Corbin refers to this in baseball as uh, when he has a good team, he feels like it's, it's like you do your kids. At some point, you give them the keys to the car and let them drive it. And I feel like right now, Clark would love to give the keys to somebody in that locker room and let them drive it and take ownership of their team, their own team. But there's no one stepping forward and with the leadership to do that. Yeah, I, I'm with you, Luke. I think the hope is that, um, you know, college football happens, right? And, and it's been happening this season. Upsets, you never know what's going to happen any given Saturday, especially in the SEC this year. I mean, LSU's already got a couple of losses and neither division really, there's no team that really has a strangle on either division right now. I mean, there's some big games this weekend, but, uh, you know, I, I think for Vanderbilt down the stretch, you saw South Carolina, some of their weaknesses against Tennessee. So I think that could be a team they potentially find a way to pick off. I know it hasn't happened since 07, I think. And then, uh, and then Auburn, I think Auburn is a team that Vanderbilt probably matches up better with uh, compared to other SEC teams. We'll, we'll see how that happens. But I just think you look back at last year as well for a little bit of hope. Um, you know, like you said, Luke, you saw a couple of wins last year when, and we've said this before, when you really didn't expect that to happen. Uh, I mean, we, you know, after that South Carolina game, I think there was these, these same kind of feelings. Now it's obviously amplified this year with the 0-2 start, the loss to UNLV. I still think the loss to UNLV is hanging over this program. Um, I, I just, I, I really believe that. I think that has done uh, a, men, a mental um, toll uh, on on this team that, uh, you know, happens to teams before. I mean, you, you, you see brutal losses early in the season uh, that teams suffer, and it takes a little bit longer for them to, to, to bounce back from. So I think that has, has been an effect of it. But yeah, I'll, uh, Chris, I'd say hope. Yeah, it's hard to find it maybe within this program, but you might have to look outside and just say, hey, maybe they pick off a team or two down the stretch here and build a little bit of life uh, heading into next year. Because I think, I, like we talked about it, if if this is a 2-10 finish, you know, I think that would be damaging. But if you're able to 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 squeeze a win or two down down the stretch here, I think that would that would sort of propel you forward better than you know, just going two and 10. Yeah. I thought the Wake Forest game was one that they, they really needed to win. I thought it was the most important game for the program in five years They they face planted in that, but the season was still salvageable if they just beaten UNLV and they didn't take care of business. I'm afraid that's going to be one that's going to hang over their head as Oreo enters the office here. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, I, I think at this point, guys, tell me if if I'm wrong. I think at this point, you just want to find something to get people to hang their hat on for hope next year, whether that's an upset or two or, 
you, you start playing some true freshmen. You saw a little bit of that last week with Junior Sherrill catching a touchdown pass. Maybe we see an A.J. Newberry. Maybe Cedric Alexander pops off a 100-yard game at some point. To, to me at this point, look, I mean, if, if they go four and two the back half of the schedule, uh, they will have beaten a ranked team at least one, uh, and th- this is all moot. But that's not realistic at this point. To me, and I'll start with you, Luke, the path of hope is g- give me something new and different that we don't have at this point that carries forward into next year. Yeah, I think it's intriguing. What If I was a Vanderbilt fan, what I want to watch is to see how the Ken Seals project works because, you know, nothing against A.J. Swan, but we can't have a quarterback going into the other team every game. That that takes us with you know you got zero chance to win that way. Um, I thought Ken protected except for the bad pass in the end zone, which again I'm not sure if that was a route problem or if Ken just made a bad pass, a bad decision. I don't know. Um, that's the only real glaring mistake I thought that he made. I'm sure there were others that we didn't notice during the game, but I thought he played pretty well. And moving forward, if he has that type of performance on the road in a hostile environment in Florida, and we're facing the same thing, guys, that we did last week. You know, it's a team we beat last year. So Florida needs a reason to be mad about something. And uh, I'm sure this will that they'll, they'll do that this week. So looking forward, I would say Ken Seals. Watch him, the development there. Uh, and also uh, with Patterson being hurt and being out for a few weeks, I'm excited about seeing Longwell in there and Bryce Cowan getting more time. I want to see those kids. I think they can play. I really have. I've said the first year my guy to watch was Longwell. And I just love everything about the way he carries himself. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to watching that kid play. Yeah, I'll add on to that, the young receivers. Uh, you saw Junior Sherrill get in there for a touchdown, um, kind of his – finally you know popping off moment where i think we expected that to to come maybe a little bit earlier but he finally you know outran a defender um and and also london humphrey seeing if he can get back healthy and just seeing what those guys guys can do because let's face it at this point in the season right now those young players are what uh are what i think most fans care about are what is most important right now to the program building that foundation um, and and getting them as many reps as possible. You mentioned A.J. Newberry, Chris, another guy that I, I think we might uh, see potential a little bit more of down the stretch here. Uh, defensively, you mentioned Longwell. Uh, Luke, I think Rinaldi is a guy that, you know, he'll be here next year. Uh, he's he's starting to play a lot more. Um, you know, it, it's tough to see Kane Patterson go down. It, I think they got good news about him. It uh, looks like he'll be out a few weeks. Um, but his his brother Langston, of course, has has been in there. So, Kind of a, a, a the glimmer of hope here is is seeing some late late uh, shining moments from these these young guys, right? Some flashes that you saw some flashes last year from McGowan, and now it's time for these freshmen this year to step up and maybe show some flashes. And Martel Hyde, at this point now, he's gotten he's gotten his reps now. <laughs> I mean, you, you know, you, you you've had to guard on Brown, Luther Burden. Uh, I mean, he's he is going up against the best. So I'm interested to kind of track his progress as well. Uh, Trudell Berry also. So uh, because Luke, those are the guys that are going to be there for the rest of this, you know, this little stretch here, two, three years, really building uh, this 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 foundation for this program. So I'll be watching a lot of those younger guys as well. 
One, one thing I want to mention too, you know, we talk about executions being poor and all that. I watched the game two more times because I want to look for that type of stuff. And there was one play, and I know this is not taught. <laughs> I know no no defensive back coach or defensive coordinator would teach this. There was one play on when we got beat over the top, and I don't mention the kid's name, but it was a vertical route, an obvious vertical route. Well, the kid's still chopping his feet when the guy's going past him. That's, I mean, that's, one, you know, football one-on-one. He's got to flip his hips and run with the guy, and he's still chopping his feet like he doesn't even see the guy coming at him. So the, I don't know where that comes from, how in the world you can be that technically poor, but that type of stuff just can't happen at a – Division one football game. Well, and I agree, Luke. That that's kind of a common theme this year, right? Vanderbilt backing up on their heels, waiting for you know the defender to beat them, as opposed to going in and beating the defender, right? Go beat that team on the other sideline instead of kind of sitting back and being so reactive. I feel like they've been so reactive uh, this season, you know, which has resulted in slow starts to games. Chris, you asked Clark about the slow starts and. Um, you know, I don't know if, if there was, there was much of an explanation there. I think Clark is sort of in the same mold as, as a lot of fans kind of saying, you know, we're working on it, but you know, that that's a problem, uh, for this team. They, they just, there, there hasn't really been a, a step on the throat factor uh, yet. Now, do they, is there, is the confidence there for that? Uh, you know, I think the confidence is probably the bigger thing and the bigger part of this. Uh, and Luke, you mentioned leader. You know, th- there's there doesn't seem to be a leader. So I, I I agree with you when you say the they've kind of been on their heels. Not not just as a DB and as a secondary group, but I think as a team, they've been kind of caught uh, caught looking around, being being reactive and instead of you know being aggressive. Um, one other thing, and you want to look and say when did this happen? And I agree with Chris. The UNLV game was the most damaging. When we get up seventeen nothing. And you can see the energy and excitement. And then as soon as they, boom, get right back in it, that's when I think this team became broken. Because I think they thought, okay, again, here we are up 17-0 on a team we should be. And then we got another dogfight on our hands. And they play poorly the rest of the night. I think you're right, Chris. That game set the tone for what we've seen since. Yeah, and here's my issue with that. You you can't let that become woe is me. You you do it to yourself. You're not a victim of anything, and that that may be, that may be strong language. Uh, I don't know that that applies, but that's, I don't know. I I just don't know how you let that happen. If you're going to change the culture and win football games, that can't be part of your your mindset at all. No, I agree. I will say this for uh, one thing: we have played our. Our opponents' combined records like twenty-two and six, which is probably as good as anybody. I think Missouri, Kentucky hasn't lost. UNLV is now four and one. They boat raced Hawaii. Wake is three and one. I think Hawaii is the only one with a losing record, two and three or two and four. But you know, we'll see how Missouri and Kentucky does this week. Yeah, and, and they still, for people, who get, they still haven't covered a point spread yet, half a season in. No. that's I don't know that there's any other team in the country that's done that. No, that's a record. Well, now, it's funny. Yeah. Georgia has not covered a spread the other way. They've won every game but haven't covered their spreads. Wow, yeah. Mm. All right, uh, we, 
we've reached the point in the season where it's difficult to find new material. But guess what we did? Mid-season grades. That's where we're going to go. I'll go Luke, Billy, me on all these. We'll start at the quarterback position. Luke, give me your grade and a quick synopsis as of why. Well, it's been a failure to this point because of uh, obviously the turnovers that AJ had. Uh, it, we only have one sample size, and, and, and as far as uh, uh, Ken goes, he was better. Uh, you know, I give Ken a C on his first one back, uh, maybe a B minus. But anyway, it's hard to grade him on one game. We'll see after this week. But uh, it's a fa- it's been a it's been a failure because uh, of all the turnovers. Yeah, I, I'm gonna give, I'm gonna give a D uh, for the quarterback position. Uh, number one, because I think AJ Swan, uh, we forget at the beginning of the season, you know, he had some some moments, and and I think, you know, he I don't want to say he led them to to victory over over Hawaii, but I mean, you know, he was a big part of that. I think he was a big part of that Alabama A and M win, uh, but he's also been a big part of these losses. Um, as as other parts of this team have as well um not quite an f but i'll go d uh but uh verging you know coming very close to an f i will also go d because as you pointed out billy they did some good things early in the season have thrown some good balls for some big scores and things like that but they've also been responsible for some of the losses the the careless turnovers the the fumble that was run the other way against unlv that you know, that was maybe the biggest play in the game or certainly one of them. So, look, that Vanderbilt's already replaced a quarterback at this point of the season. Again, I think we'll see Ken Seals probably going forward. Uh, I don't know about going forward, but certainly for the Florida game. So, yeah, I, I, I would also give them a D. Running backs, Luke, again, I'll let you start. Well, it's hard for me to do the running backs because it's it's a combination of running backs and O-line, but – I will say, you know, we saw the flash from Cedric Alexander in the Alabama A&M game late, and we we all got excited about that. I was, I did too. Uh, I have to give them a D as well because I, I don't see any burst. I don't see, you know, it's it's two and three yards, and that's pretty much it. We don't have any long runs much, uh, and again, we have to entangle that with the offensive line's poor performance. The running back group is interesting. Um, I think they get a lot of criticism, uh, you know, because of of the lack of production this year. But guys, they they are who they are. I mean, you know, there's no Ray Davis back there. You know, I, I think they've done what they can behind a bad offensive line. You know, um, and now now this grade I'm giving them isn't good. I'm going to give a C. I was tempted to give a B because I just think they are who they are. And, and I, I, you know, saying they've performed poorly, I just don't know, you know, like they've, they've done what they can. It's a battle line. And, you know, I, I just, there's no Ray Davis back there. If there's Ray Davis back there, this would be a lot better because we'd just be referring to Ray Davis. Um, and you mentioned it, Cedric Alexander, I think is going to be a really good back. I like Newberry and Benson. So as a whole, I just think they sort of are who they are, Chris. I don't know if you agree with me there. I, 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 I give a C, not great, but but you know, not awful. I'm going to go between you. Give them a C minus. I just don't think it's a very talented group. I've been saying that since the start of the season. I think they're they're better players or, or they're freshmen. I think we're going to see how that resolves the second half. But guess what? You know, all the mistakes and everything. Have the running backs lost a fumble yet? 
I don't I'm not, think I'm so. not sure they have. So at least Bumble they twice. are. What's that? Fumbled twice, but got them both back. Okay. So, I mean, look, it, at least they haven't been making mistakes. They're, they're playing, I think, for the most part, to the best of their ability. They're not getting help from the line. Um, C minus is where I settle. Just now, if at we're least, if, at least they're hanging on to the ball. Yeah, if we're grading talent, you know, I think my grade would be a lot yeah. worse here. But just pure production, that performance this season, I don't know that they've they've really done been awful. Yeah. Offensive line, Luke. Uh, I have to give it an F. Uh, I guess part of that is expectations. I thought that it would be a strength of our football team. Uh, why it isn't, I I can't figure it out. I've watched, like I said, I watch the games. I watch it live, except for one that I had to. I was I was out of pocket, and then I watch it again twice. And I'm kind of like a coach. I click back and watch this. Why are we doing this? And I, uh, they just don't. And and, and I, I they don't mesh as a unit. They take turns screwing up. Um. You know, we had the issue with the snaps. Uh, we've had very big issues with silly penalties, drive killers. When you go from third and four to third and nine, you go from third and nine to third and 14. You can't win games that way. Self-inflicted wounds. So right now, it's it's been a failure. This, this is the biggest discrepancy uh, between beginning of the season, you know, excitement expectation as opposed to what we've gotten on the field and chris we we had talked about it all fall camp you know we liked the offensive line um you know i don't think we thought that they would be a world beater group but i don't think we thought they would be you know as bad as they've been uh, you know just certain plays have really stunned me there was one i mentioned last week about gunner hansen during kentucky didn't even get out of his stance um i mean just certain things that you just you know you kind of look at it and you're like you know that's that's bad. You know, it's just it, it, there's just bad performances all the way around, um, and, and it, I think it it was a telltale sign how well Grayson Morgan got in there and played. I mean, as a as a sophomore, I mean, he looked like the best guy out there. Um, so I think they're excited about the young guys, but the guys they have now, it's it's been awful. I mean, there's 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 no way around it. Yeah, I, I go back to the quarterbacks to explain how I grade. I mean, at least for quarterbacks, it's been an issue that the play's been subpar most of the year, but at least there's moments you can point to and say, hey, they they threw this mm -hmm. ball for this score at this point in this game. They did some things to at least counterbalance that a little bit and and be a contributing part of some wins. I don't see that with the offensive line. I, I can't recall a series in the press box where Billy, you and I talked and said, man, that was a great series for the offensive line. Or, or, or we did a podcast and said, you know, the line really dominated the third quarter of that game. I can't find anything, but I find a lot of mistakes uh, procedural penalties, stuff like that, uh, that they get an F. It should be better than it is. Yeah, and then adding on to the penalties, that's been something that Luke mentioned, uh, and they haven't been able to open holes in the run game. We talked about that. But the procedural penalties have almost been just as big and important as as the lack of push in the run game and the pass protection. That has just compounded everything. Say they weren't a, a penalty-prone group, this may not be an F, right? They're just, they just sort of are who they are, but they've made those boneheaded mistakes as well, which sort of compounds the issue. Okay. Wide receivers. Um, Luke, you start. Yeah, I, I give it a B plus. Uh, I feel like that's been the, 
the highlight of the year of the team so far. Uh, obviously, the young talent, the depth. There's been a few drops by some of the guys. Will Shepard had a couple uh, hiccups, uh, you know. I just feel like that that group is B plus and very close to being an A in their performance. I, that's the uh, one smiley face I give. <laughs> yeah, I'll uh, I'll give a B. Um, I I think this group has been good overall. Uh, you know, there's really no qualms about it. And you look at Shepard; he's he's now tenth in program history with 1,826 receiving yards. I mean, he is up there with Matthews, Bennett, the great receivers uh, at Vanderbilt. Uh, but you've also got McGowan, you know, Humphreys, uh, Skinner, Cheryl, Hoskins. You've got some quality depth there. Um, the one thing I will say, you know, we've seen some drops here or there. Um, we've also haven't really seen Quincy Skinner much. I mean, he did a little bit. He's done a little bit. I think he's starting to come on a little bit. Uh, but I think he's been sort of a non-factor that, I, that I'm, I'm surprised by. I've been surprised by. I know he's been banged up. Uh, and he might start to, you know, reemerge late in the season. Um, I would have been a little bit higher on that if, you know, without the drops and maybe, um, you know, some of the lack of production from McGowan these last couple of games. He hasn't really, I think he's got under like 10 targets the last couple of games and, and hasn't made a ton of catches. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll go B though. I'll go B plus. I think that the negatives you've seen, Shepard, I don't know if disappear is the right word, but be kind of a non-factor in, in a couple of their their games recently. Uh, McGowan has not been as much of a factor lately as he was at the start of the season, but you've had Junior Serrell, London Humphreys. You mentioned Skinner. Even Skinner's had a couple of big catches at times. Um, I, I think it's a group that the top-end performance has been pretty good. The depth has been better than it's been in a long time. Uh, again, you, you would have liked to have seen a couple of their starters show up better over the last couple of weeks than they did. But but overall, it's it's a really good performance, and, and I think it's worthy of a B plus. Okay, tight ends, Luke. I give tight ends a C, uh, and it, I almost gave them a B, B plus, because when they're targeted, they seem to do their job, uh, especially Justin Ball. And, you know, the, I go back to the uh, Kentucky game where we had seven catches. Didn't have many targets Saturday to the tight ends, I don't think. But when they're targeted and when they're involved, they do do a pretty good job. Uh, when I go back and watch the film on the blocking, it's been spotty. That's the reason why I drop it down a little bit. Uh, it can do better in that part of the game. But, uh, again, I give them a C. Yeah, th- this is similar to the running backs. I think this group sort of is who they are right now. I think there's a little bit of potential there with with Logan Kyle and – Cameron Johnson, I think Justin Ball, and I don't, I don't know that he expected to, um, you know, do what he's he's been asked to do this year. I think Cole Spence was a guy that they might have even expected to start by season's end. Um, and, and you know, if you include Cole Spence and his potential in here, I, it's a great, it's a pretty solid tight end group. But uh, so far this year, yeah, I, I'll give a C. Uh, same same thing, Luke. I just I think they are who they are. The blocking hasn't been great. But you lose Schoenwald and and Bresnahan and and the dropping's going to drop off. I mean that you know the yeah you know, I, I just I think that is that was something we talked about last on with last year's group that we really liked. Um, you know at least I did. So pass catching though has been sort of pleasantly surprising. I mean we've seen Logan Kyle. He hasn't really been involved in the passing game, but on the end arounds and he's been involved a little bit in the passing game. 
and then Cameron Johnson late in games. I think he's looked good. So, yeah, not again, not great, but not awful. I'll, I'll give him a C. Yeah, I'll give him a C plus uh, because my my initial response was they're just they're just kind of there. We don't ever spend time talking about them much for doing bad things or, or for doing really good things. But I, I thought, well, Cam Johnson has had a, a nice reception or two that he's taken for some distance. Yeah. So there is that. So I bumped him up from a C to a C plus. And Billy, to your point, um, Cole Spence was hands down the best tight end on the roster. They could really use him right now. They don't have him. So if you're circling things to look forward to for next season, that it would be the, the mm-hmm. healthy return of, of Cole Spence would help things. Okay, gentlemen, I think we've we finished the offensive side of the ball. Let's go to defense. We'll start with the line, and we'll start again with Luke. Um, D-line, if you throw out the Wake Forest game, I give it a C, uh, but you have to include the Wake Forest game, so I give it a C-. minus. The tackling has been, at times been poor, getting blown off the ball at times. Um, but I think they've been an average group. Again, this is a group I thought would be much improved. Uh, getting Agu back has not been the impact that I thought it would be. Uh, we've got Christian James back, and, of course, it's his first game, so it's hard to tell. I think he'll be getting better as the season goes on. So I, I'll give that a uh, I'll give that a C, C minus. Guys, I've been really disappointed in that defensive line. Um, yeah, I, I'm tempted to go F here. Uh, I won't. I'll go D. I just I we I mean we talked glowingly about this group like coming into this season. Darren Agu, Miles Capers. Christian James, Davion Davis. I know Davis hasn't played at all, and it, it sounds like he's going to medically retire. Um, so some things have sort of happened early in this season, and, and we figured some things out to where maybe we quickly shift that. And I know fall camp is fall camp, and you know, we get excited about a lot. But I just think, you know, it's year three, and, and they like their two coaches there with Larry Black and Javon Hay. Um I just haven't been impressed, and 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 maybe they start to come on late. I think they've been okay at times, and the last couple of games have been better, you know, in terms of activity uh, back there. But uh, did they have a sack Saturday, Chris? I I don't, I don't think so. Think so. So I I just don't think there's been enough activity, uh, and I agree with you, Luke. I don't think Agu, uh, you know, getting healthy has 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 done much really at all. Um, but I'll go I'll go D uh, for for that D line. I think Bradley Mann had a sack Saturday. Okay. Okay. Thank I thought you. there was one. Yeah, you're right. I believe he did. I believe I believe that's correct. Um, I was not as high on the defensive line, Billy, as, as you were. My point I was trying to make before the season was I thought that they could be better, right? You had a lot of guys coming back. You got guys four or five years in the system. Logically speaking, they should get better with more experience uh, That because that's what players do. You had a guy in, in Agu that's gifted – that I think was, you know, a lot of a lot of bigger programs sniffed around on him as a recruit. Um, you had Capers coming back for whatever it was going to be worth. You, you added the Cosmo uh, as a guy, who's, and he's played okay. Um, I just thought, you know, Bradley Mann, Iso Tara, you had a lot of guys. I, I thought that they might have Devin Lee, Davion Davis. I thought they might have enough guys to cobble it together that he can give a bunch of guys 30 snaps and keep people fresh and just get competent play that, that you'll get better. I didn't think it was going to be a top half of the of the league unit. I didn't know if there's going to be a top two-thirds of the league unit, but I thought it would be better. They've just, I don't know. 
I, I don't see a surefire talent. On it. I see guys with potential. Darren Agu kind of looks like Tarzan, but the, the play is maybe not matched up to the the build. Isotara, guy that we've said for a while, got some ability. But other than that, yeah, Bradley Mann started to show some things. I, I don't know. I, I just think it's kind of a pedestrian group right now. I'll go um, C minus D plus and, and probably D plus because they really needed to show up in that weight game and just did not. And that was that was a big moment that is going to have a lot to do with the trajectory of the season. Okay, gentlemen, linebackers, you first again, Luke. C, uh, again, it's just been average. Uh, probably had more injuries, maybe banged up guys there. I, I just, again, I, I felt like we were going to be a lot better at linebacker, even though we lost Orgy. Uh, and I think they've been okay. Uh, but, again, the poor tackling and Wake Forest has to factor in. I mean, again, if you throw it out, they may be a B-, minus, but I just give them a flat C. Yeah, this is where the missed tackles start to really come in play. Uh, Vanderbilt's got 58 missed tackles uh, at this point in the season through through week five. That's it's funny. There, it's not worse than the SEC. Ole Miss and LSU are, are even worse. Um, but that's that's just not good enough. I mean, you know, you got some teams up there at the top with 30 and 40. I mean, you'd rather be in that 40 range, maybe mid 40s, if you're you know if you're a good defense and this linebacker crew hasn't been good enough. I'll, I'll give them a C because I think, you know, I think they've been in positions. I just don't think they're fast enough right now. Like, I don't, I don't, you know, you saw Orgy. I think he, you know, he was a guy last year that uh, covered a lot of ground. I just don't think they have an Orgy this year. Um, you know, now CJ Taylor, of course, but, you know, he's, he's been having to play some safety and, you know, of other positions on the field. Uh, but I'll give them a C. I mean, they're experienced, but I, I expected better play uh, from them. And I think, you know, after the front, you know, the the D linemen, you get past that D line front, you know, linebackers are the next next up, next important line of of, of fire. And I, I just don't think they'd be good enough. Uh, not as bad as a D line, but I'll give I'll give a C there as well. Yeah, C minus. They haven't really stood out uh, at the same time. You know, when when we dissect the the list of things that were just awful after games, we're not naming as many names there. They've just kind of been there. They haven't really stood out in a good way, uh, which you kind of needed. But but they've there've been worse parts of the team too. So that's that's where I'll go. Uh, safeties, Luke. Safeties, I give a C as well. I I think they're at times they have, uh, you know, they, that's probably been the most unhealthy position on the team. Had so many guys. I mean, Dericky, that right's been out so much. Jalen Mahoney, uh, with the targeting and other other soft tissue issues. Uh, Savion Riley. So when they've all been healthy and playing, it's better than a C. But you have to factor that stuff in. Uh, so I, I'll go with a C with them as well. Yeah, C C range. I haven't been given plus and minuses. I've just been given the letter. Uh, I'll I'll go C. Uh, you mentioned it, Luke. They haven't been healthy. You know, John House, when he's been in, been in there, um, obviously has done what he can. I mean, he, you know, Sewell as well. Um, you know, I just, yeah, they've been banged up. And, you know, DeRicky hasn't been healthy all season. Uh, I mean, he, he's he should be out there because it's better when he's not, uh, you know, ironically, when he's even though he's 70, you know, 60 percent. 
But, uh, yeah, they just haven't been healthy. And so we haven't really seen what they can be. I think they can be better. Uh, but Mahoney has had to play some nickel. And, uh, you know, you've had to see them switch around positions a little bit just because of the state of the defense. So, yeah, I see range bordering on a D. I just, you know, they haven't really been healthy. I'll give them a B minus, and and I'm going to give them a little bit of pass. <coughs> excuse me, a little bit of pass for health because I feel like some of their guys, when they've been healthy, have played okay. I mean, to Ricky Wright got two picks, helped them win the Hawaii game. C.J. Taylor has done C.J. Taylor things at times. I think he and Mahoney are maybe the two highest graded defensive backs on the team. I could be wrong about that. Mahoney has gotten a solid grade. I think he's a 71 at PFF. That's that's fine to good. Um, you know, Savion Riley stepped in and helped them at times. I, I t- to me, it, it feels a little unfair to to give them a bad grade. And I think Luke, what you what you mentioned on on health is fair. I I, I sort of set that aside a little bit. Um, maybe it's because we're giving out C minuses, Ds, and Fs all over the place. I, I feel the need to. <laughs> you know, to offset that a little bit. But I, I feel like they like when good stuff's happened for them at times, the safeties have been part of it. So I'm I'm fine with a B minus, but also see why you you think what you, you justify the grades the way you do. Uh corners. An F. Uh get thrown over the top of our heads way too much. Technique's been poor. Uh you've had flashes of guys making good plays couple were made Saturday, but, and I thought they played a little bit better as a whole Saturday, but it's just been, I don't know if it's the talent or the technique or the combination of the both, but right now that's a, that's a big F. Yeah. I mean, I, it's pretty obvious what this grade is. Uh, you know, they gave up 532 yards of total offense on Saturday, 395 of those are through the air. Uh, there's just been too many games like that where, quarterback sits back and again this is part of the d-line is part of this i think you know you look at the d-line they just haven't really been able to affect the quarterback at all and so you put the you put a lot of the corners in in danger zone uh, on the outside now i'm not putting it all on the d-line i think the corners have to at some point get some stops but uh yeah i mean i I think it's pretty obvious they're young i like height i like barry um we've seen here russell and anderson really I mean, we haven't really seen a ton of them. We've seen them a little bit, but uh, I like Heidenberry, but they're they're young. They're young, and uh, you know they'll they'll have to improve. And uh, they're learning a lot this year. I think that's kind of silver lining. You look at next year, and they might be a lot better. Uh, you know, they're they're going against the best receivers. So, but uh, but yeah, I mean, F. Chris, before you go, project something. Okay, we give up five thirty two against Missouri. How do you think LSU fans feel? They got scared. That the LSU secondary might be worse than Vandy's. They have four and five hits back there, and they gave hundred yards. Seven oh six. Well, and and you know you cover your eyes and your ears on this one. Ole Miss is ahead on the schedule, (laughs) and that looked like an offense that you know with with Judkins starting to run again um, is he's cleared up some deficiencies. Yeah, I'm. But those are four and five star kids LSU had. Well, and I think you're seeing you're seeing trouble with with corners covering a lot of places. Uh, LSU had trouble with Florida State too, by the way. <laughs> uh, a lot of people are having trouble with Florida State, but but yes, I, I think it's a difficult position to play. But it was our biggest concern 
coming to the season. It, it's still our biggest concern. Um, I, I want to be easy on the kids. Barry and Hyde are out there for the first time. It's a, it's you know, other than quarterback, corner might be the toughest position in in football to play. Agreed. Uh, for for a lot of reasons, and and doing it as freshman one, a true freshman one, retro. It's not a, it's not a really an indictment of those kids. You've seen first round, future first round NFL picks struggle as freshmen in the SEC, give up a lot of big chunks and touchdowns over their head in that. But uh, we said coming to the season, just the the cupboard felt fairly bare. Uh, B.J. Anderson, I think sometimes. Maybe it does some good things that people don't notice or, or you know, everybody notices the bad things. And, and there's maybe been some solid play mix in there. But, I mean, we're we're really reaching guys. The cupboard was pretty bare coming in. Uh, it got more bare after Miami poached Jadeus Richard. And uh, we're left where we thought we might be. And that's with them having two freshman corners starting. And predictably, it is – we knew if it got to that, it wouldn't have been pretty – and we knew once it got to that, it probably wouldn't be pretty. And it's it was what we thought it was. Um, one more, special teams. Let's grade the special mm. teams as a whole, starting with Luke. Uh, as a whole, I give it an A because uh, we got the best punter in the country. And <clears throat> our kicker has only missed one field goal attempt, albeit a big one. Uh, I'm not sure that was his fault as much as uh, poor planning there. But anyway uh, – the kickoffs have been – we've had a couple go out of bounds. Uh, Jaden McGowan really played well early in the year, returning kicks. So, I'm going to give it a A-minus. Yeah, same. I like that grade, Luke. I think they've been really good. Uh, you've seen Matt Hayball. He leads the nation in punting. He's got a 51-yard mm. average. He's one of six punters in the country with a punt of at least 70 yards this season. I didn't even, I didn't even realize he had a 70-yarder. Uh, this year he's an NFL punter I, I mean mm-hmm. you know th- there's there's no way around it so he's been awesome um, I think borchilla has been good it hasn't gotten a ton of chances but Luke you mentioned it one one missed field goal I think he's been good besides a couple of plays I, I might have given this group a, an A plus you saw the the muff there by Will Shepard and again you can credit that to um, a couple other things you know he got pushed into uh by by a wake defender there and then the bad snap from from shelling there against unlv but other than that guys i would have given this an a plus i think it's been a really good group and and no surprise it has uh because lustig's a great coach and uh you know he's he's done well with that group this year so yeah i'll go i'll go a minus i like that uh i like that grade luke a minus is where i settle too you you've got to ding him for a couple things the kickoffs out of bounds and it, i mean it, and i i agree with you look i don't know that it was that, that they the, the play calling to set up the the field goal for the UNLV game and getting it on that hash was unforgivable but it is what it is he still could have hit a very makeable what was it 31 yard field goal for what was frankly the the biggest play of the season and they didn't other than that they've been great i mean they they it occurred to me this week like if you take Matt Hayball out of this and just replace it with an average punter, how much worse does this get? Like Hayball, Hayball is constantly kicking sixty-yard balls over people's heads and mm-hmm. pinning guys inside. And like I don't, I don't even blink anymore. I just expect it like I expect when I draw my next breath. There's going to be oxygen there, uh, which tells you how good that kid is. Um, Boy, if it weren't for Matt Hayball, I mean, at least they are pinning other teams back. 
and giving them longer fields, and, and sometimes teams will self-destruct on a drive or two. Special teams is the only thing that's kept this from being really, really bad, and that unit has been really, really good. Yeah, they're going to miss him a lot next year um, you know, because he's he's going to – I don't know if – you think he's drafted? I mean, is, mm. is he a guy that – so a lot close. of times – yeah, it might, some might punters get, get picked. Yeah, so we'll see. But either way, he, you know, he won't be here next year. Um, so that'll be that'll be something to watch. And uh, you know, that's let's let's face it. You know, we're talking glowingly about the punter, and and that is a good thing. Uh, but that shouldn't be the best thing, <laughs> right? You know, that like he he should not be. Um, you know, but that's how good he is. I mean, I think, you know even if this team was where they are right now, you know, was better than where they're at right now in terms of wins, I think we'd still be talking glowingly about Hayball, but, you know, I think, I think, uh, I think everyone else needs to sort of step up and, and maybe get to a, a Matt Hayball level. Guys, I, I want to bring up something here. Um, if, if Matt Hayball gets drafted, depending on what Will Shepard, where he does or doesn't get picked, he could be the first guy <clears throat> that Clark Lee has coached that that leaves to go to the draft as a, as a Vanderbilt Commodore. Didn't get anybody drafted last year. Didn't get anybody drafted the year before. And I, I researched this before the season. I've said this on the show before. They didn't Vanderbilt didn't get anybody drafted the last two years. The, and the last time Vanderbilt got shut out of back to back drafts was I think the early to mid nineties. So again, that's that's a little bit of a backdrop against which the the movie was set. But also, and again, I, I bring this up every week or a lot of weeks, but I think it's worth mention. You look at the guys they have lost. When when Tyler Steen left the program to go to Alabama, I think everybody's like, "What? He's he's going out?" Alabama made Tyler Steen into a third round pick. Um, Ray Davis. Rushed for two hundred something yards in the first half of Kentucky's game. Um, yeah, um, you know, was was here a year ago. I'm I'm guessing he's going to get drafted now. Um, Gabe Judy Lawley when they when they lost him, I was like, big deal. He's starting for Tennessee now. I think started at BYU a year ago. Uh, th there's this weird dynamic now to where you look at the roster and going, there's no NFL talent here. And then guys leave and, and kind of or well, I mean, look, we, we've only got one data point to say NFL talent in terms of being drafted. That steam. We'll wait and see what happens to Gabe Judy Lolly. And I don't know how good he is or is, and I've not watched, but you saw what Ray Davis did. Um Luke, what do you, what do you make of all that? Well, none of those players did Clark recruit any of those guys. No. That's that's what I'm saying. He's yeah, you know, I that just shows me how we, toward the end of Coach Mason's tenure, things had dropped off. Um, I, you know, I, I think as as we start getting talent, I mean, I can see down the road uh, in my crystal ball, yeah, Martell Height getting good enough to make it in the NFL. I mean, some guys yeah. like Darren Ager. So you know, I, again, we're at, we're at that part of the program. And if you go back and look historically, and people don't want to talk about the history of Vanderbilt. They want to talk about the three years of James Franklin instead of the other hundred years. Yeah. Uh, that's just where we are. When you have a new coach come in, you have all the people leave. And then of course the portal is added to that. And yeah. NI that, I, I mean, I, 
Matt Hayball was a portal guy for us, correct? Right. Mm-hmm. So FAU. That, that's the, been the biggest uh, thing we've got, you know. So I, I, I don't know. <clears throat> I think you just that's where your program is right now. Yeah. Well, and, and they added um, Jacob Bramer helped him a year ago. Uh, mm-hmm. That that was a transfer that helped. It's not like they have. It's not like it's been a net zero in the portal. Jeremy uh, Lucian. Jeremy Jeremy Lucian, who's who's on the Ravens. So yeah, but I mean, man, it, isn't that that's just telling that, that that the guys that have that have helped them are ones that got recruited and developed by the. And I agree with you. I, I think that there are guys on this team, and that was one reason I was more optimistic. There were guys on this team that you could point to and say, I I could see, you know. I could see AJ Swan playing professionally if if they clean up the mistakes. That's that's gone sideways. Obviously, we'll see how that movie ends. I could see Logan Humphreys making it one day, or excuse me, London Humphreys. Um, you know, uh, Martel Height. It feels like the talent has been a little bit better coming out of the wrapper coming in, but I still do think that the the fact that we're sitting here uh, in year three and and they're their best draft prospect debatably is is a punter that they brought in through the portal, e- either he or Shepard, on the heels of not having the guys drafted is, is still a little bit telling too. You know, and, and Chris, one other thing, <clears throat> and I'm sure you know this, doing your other uh, – the other job you have, when I looked at all the opening day rosters for everybody, it was juniors, seniors, and graduates – and Vanderbilt was the same way, but now you look at our lineup, you don't see that. Yeah, play the young guys, whereas everybody else is still playing juniors, seniors, graduates. Yeah. So I, what that says to me is, unfortunately, we've had some kids that didn't develop like we had hoped, and we're having to, we're still in the developmental stage. Yeah, you're at the point, I think, in this season where, you know, you've got to sort of make that mental decision as, as a staff, right? You know, are, are we are we going all in on these young guys now at this point? Um, because, you know, you, you sort of know what you got in the older guys by now. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, you know, they are what they are. Um, you know, it it's probably helps you more to, to throw those young guys out there, and that's what they've done. And, um, you know, I think it'll end up helping them. You won't see the rewards yet this season, I don't think, maybe – this team finds a way to get a win or two, but uh, I think down the road, you know, they'll have learned a ton in, in year one. And that, and that's what Clark has, has uh, promoted that. That's how he's been recruiting. He said, Hey, you can get in here and play day one. <laughs> right. I mean, and we've seen that Martel height, uh, Darren Agu, of course, last year and, and many other younger guys, Cedric Alexander. So uh, that's part of the pitch and uh, they're going to do it. Right. They, because, you know, they, they, they sort of have to, uh, let me ask this, and I thought about this over the weekend. You know, sometimes <clears throat> you're, you're your own worst enemy. <clears throat> Excuse me. We went from two wins to five. Well, if we'd only won three last year, people say, well, we improved a little bit. And this year, even though we're at two, if we'd have won four this year, well, it's, it's improvement. I go back to the George McIntyre. He went one win, two wins, four wins, eight wins. And that's how – and no one had a problem with that. But nowadays, it's like life in general. we got to have it now. got to have it now. Well, I'm sorry to tell everybody, at Vanderbilt, most of the time, 
three years ain't enough for any coach. Luke, I think that's a good point. Um, here's here's my issue. I think that's the issue that a lot of people have with it. Let's go certain spots on the team, okay? That's that's the second year in a row, or or, or maybe third year in a row, where you've had a a second year starting quarterback who is his play has fallen off badly. Now I think injuries factored in both places, but you had something that looked pretty good as a freshman. Second year, it went way backwards. Um, you have an offensive line, which we said, hey, experience continuity. Those are big things as offensive linemen. We just gave that group an F, uh, and it and it's mostly guys who had played before. Yeah. Um, the the defensive line is not really taking a step up with developments. Um, the, the corners didn't get developed to where they had to go to true freshmen. Um, I think that's the problem that people have. Like if if this had been a, a thing where and, and I, I guess injuries have been a thing too, which begs some questions on conditioning. Because how many guys do we see at fall practice that were being held out? And you you started mm. to hear questions about that at the time. Yeah. I think th- I think all that's true. What we said about the backdrop of talent and what you said, like, was it a bad thing for them to win five games last year? But I think then in year three, there are signs that you should be seeing on the field of development at spots. It's just not happening, and I think that's where people are concerned. And I don't think they're wrong to be concerned. No, no, I'm not saying that. What I'm yeah. saying, the reality of it is, and even Clark thought this could be a bowl team. Yeah, and I, do, and I think a lot of fans probably did. But when <clears throat> when you have to look at it from the standpoint of the, and the people don't want to talk about history, but it's what Vanderbilt does. It's how it's how they <clears throat> they don't allow anybody in school. They did for three years. They did for three years. And it helped. It helped a ton. That's not happening anymore. We're not every person we want in school. I can tell you that. Well, Uh, I don't know. Portal is a different story I hear. Well, maybe. We'll find that out. We haven't used it much. So, you know. I mean, yeah. Let's face it. They overperformed last year. I mean, I think, think, you know, we can agree on that. I mean, they (laughs) – you lose Ray Davis, you lose Mike Wright. Mike Wright scored a touchdown against Alabama on Saturday. Ray Davis ran for almost 300 yards. Ray Davis is a heck of a running back. He's an NFL running back, and I've, I've been saying that for two years. Um, you know, he's behind a dominant offensive line, and and he is off and rolling. Uh, and then you lose Gavin Schoen. The tight ends, we look at the tight ends from last year. Schoenwald and Bresnahan were great blockers, tremendous blockers. And, you know, you lost both of them. Uh, from last season as well. So I think it's more like offensively, I don't see the physicality and, and the, you know, the approach of just saying, we're going to drive this ball down your throat and we're going to beat you. Now, I don't know that they were driving the ball down anybody's throats last year, but I mean, they did against Kentucky in Lexington, Ray Davis and Mike Wright. And then against Florida, you saw similar. So they've won a couple of sec games with that approach. I just think they're losing a lot of that. Um, this year, and uh, it's interesting. A lot of times, Luke, you mentioned the the win trajectory, right? The you know you go from, um, you know you, you go from two and ten to five and seven, and now, all right, six and six, seven and five. Here we go. But all of a sudden, you know, kind of back down to reality. Uh, last year was a good thing; it was a net positive. But I think you know it sped up 
this this build and this expectation uh, from the fans' perspective and from, quite frankly, us as well, um, that you can expect more of the same this year, and it just hasn't transpired. Um, so we'll see. But, I, 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 yeah, I just think they lost some physicality from, from last year's team that they're missing. Let me ask you this, Chris. You should know this off the top of your head, I guess. <clears throat> Most important stat offensively is points per game to me. How many points per game did we average last year compared to now? Uh, fewer. Like, like that's why I'm asking how many how many points. I think they're about ten points a game ahead, but the schedule's also much different. Um, I mean they they got like for instance they got shut out against Georgia and Tennessee and Alabama. Actually, they they had a field goal, whereas they played, you know, Alabama A and M. UNLV. Um, I, I I think we're sort of comparing apples to oranges, but but yes, it's I think they're about ten points a game higher. Because I mean, I mean, I look at the two SEC games; we're averaging about twenty five points a game. That to me, that's pretty close to where we to the potential. Yeah, I mean they're 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 playing better there. It's just it's been the. And you were right. I, I don't think the season is all on turnovers. I think there's other things. We just sat here and, and gave a bunch of position groups bad grades. So we've acknowledged that they are right. deficient in other areas. But, yeah, I, I think that a lot of it is just turnovers have sort of shown a bad light. And, and let's be honest, too, the, the strength of schedule they played so far. They played, they played two bad teams, two okay teams, and, and two good teams. Yeah, so and I, I'm still I'm still interested to see how good Missouri and Kentucky are. Um, I think you know, they're, they're good. both. Fi- yeah, they're both five and zero. Oh. Uh, I think Missouri can beat LSU. I think Kentucky can beat Georgia. Now, does it happen? Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. But I think Missouri and Kentucky are really good. Uh, and 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 Vanderbilt will face really good SEC teams down the seas down the stretch of the season as well. But I'm interested to see how good the, those two teams exactly are. Well, I got laughed at when I said UNLV would be a bowl team. And they're four and one. UNLV is good. Yeah. But better, yeah, better than we thought. Uh, still no excuse to lose it, but you, you yeah, may, no. Luke may no, be right no, on that one. Nothing is special. Right. Um, gentlemen, Oreo's getting restless behind me. You might hear that. Uh, yeah. Let's get to the mailbag, Billy. Let's do it. The mailbag is brought to you by Sutherland and Belk, long, longest running sponsor of andysports.com. And they're family-centered, family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt or in an accident, give Taylor or Russell a call at 615-846-6200 to see what your rights are and if they can help. All right. Uh, Looks like we've got a few to get to. We start with Raiders 1967. He's directing this at you, Chris. Uh, Chris, you mentioned last podcast you have info that two football players who start for top 25 teams were in the portal and wanted to play at Vandy, but were denied admission. During the podcast, the support that James Franklin received, but no coach before him had received, has been discussed. I assume that applies to admission decisions during the Franklin era. How does this coaching staff in the non-Franklin era achieve support and admissions from the university in a manner similar to what James Franklin received? Yeah, I I don't know. There's a disconnect there between what I hear in some circles and what I hear in others. And look, I, I, I keep saying this. It's something. I mean, it's not, whoops, we woke up and this football program became bad in 2023. There's a lot of explanations out there. Um, 
and, and I'm going <laughs> to – it's the point of the season where we sort of have to ration content because it's the same story every week. And I'm, I'm sort of holding this for for maybe the end of the season episode. But I, I remember saying this in a, in, a, in a podcast three years ago. I thought that when Vanderbilt changed athletic directors, you need to go audit that whole department, have an independent audit, you know, don't report to the, the AD or, or whoever, don't report to anybody that could steer the results of the survey. Somebody who knows what they're doing and knows what a competitive football program looks like. Um, and, and, and report back. And, and I mean, go over everything from how does the president affect things to how to the hats the concession workers wear affect your football program. Anything that touches football, whether it's academics, admissions, strength and conditioning, you name it. I would I would spend a lot of time, spend a lot of money, and conduct an exhaustive audit of that program. Uh, and, and that's one area I would like to know, what, what is that really like? What, what is Vanderbilt's reality? And we know that it's not going to be as easy to get people in as it's going to be at Georgia, Tennessee, any SEC school. We know that going in. But could it be improved? Are there avenues of things – to help here that nobody's looking at because the same people are in the building that were there 10, 15, 20 years ago. Um, you need a fresh look at it. Uh, I, I hear sunshine and roses and everything and everything's great. But uh, what, what I hear other places at times and what I don't see on the field uh, t- tells me there is something that's not being explained. That's the best I've got. Well, <clears throat> more importantly than these last six football games, is what's going to happen at the end of the season. That's going to tell you where we're at, Chris, as far as what you're talking about. Because if we start losing players left and right and bye-bye, appreciate it, Vanderbilt, but I'm heading elsewhere, you start seeing that stuff, and we got big issues. I mean, there's going to be some that leave, obviously, and there's going to be some that are encouraged to leave. But there's also going to be some guys that you got to hang on to. And we're going to see if – Vanderbilt is committed again, and I've always said this for many years. Uh, Vanderbilt is interested in winning in football, or are they committed to winning in football? And Luke, big- and, and, and here the, the thing that I still hear that still bothers me, and there's, there is no way of getting around this. I, I hear a lot of that. We need to see it before you get this, that, and the other. I hear it too. That, that, is, that is not how you build a winning program. Agreed. I mean, and, and it was the same story 15 years ago. It's it's not a wonder that things are where they are, to, in my it, mind. It was the same story in the 70s. We had a chancellor tell our head yes. football. We just went 7-3-1, and one, beat Tennessee in Knoxville, and he tells – 7-3-2, and two, beat Tennessee in Knoxville, ask for more uh, pain on the stadium or whatever it may be. No re- better recruiting budget. No, you won seven games with the budget you have. That's the kind of thinking. There's no forward thinking. Luke, I looked this up, and and, and I can double-check. I think that they've got four assistant coaches on the staff that have spent time at other Power 5 programs. And I, I think that experience, if you add it up, totals maybe 10 or 15 years tops. You're boring, You're boring, Billy. Sorry. <laughs> this season is boring me. So now everybody gets it back. Now you know how I feel. (laughs) All right. Looks like we got one more, but it's a two-parter here uh, from Matt, username. 
If Ken Seal starts in Gainesville on Saturday, which is, I think, what we all expect, uh, does it feel like Walter Taylor is still running back up this week? Um, it's interesting. You know, Clark had mentioned Walter, uh, you know, this week and last week in practice. He only had one carry uh, against Missouri. I was a little surprised to not see him out there really at all. Uh, I thought Ken got into somewhat of a rhythm. And then, of course, he threw that interception. So, but uh, I'll be interested to see if Walter Taylor gets any action against Florida. Um, I don't know what, what what you guys think, though. The the thing with the reason why Walter went in, period, that Ken had just done something, he'd read something wrong or something to play before. If you noticed, he went straight to the sideline and talked to the coach and went right back in. That was not necessarily to get Walter a rep. That was to talk to Ken. It's the only reason he went in the game. Which is interesting because, I, you know, and, and Elijah Drinkwitz actually talked about it too. He said they were prepared for, for, you know, all three guys, Seals, Swan, and a little bit of Walter Taylor as well. And then Clark kind of hinted at Walter. Uh, we'll, we'll see. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what you think, Chris. I'm going to remain on my Drew Dickey Island here, and I'm, I might be the only one living there, and I'm fine with that. Um, <laughs> but when I went to practice, Walter Taylor is probably the most – probably got the most raw talent of any of the, of the four quarterbacks. And I, I get that, but it was a developmental take, I think for them. And I saw a lot of mistakes in practice. Drew Dickey. Um, th- this is going to sound, I'm, I'm not going to say he doesn't wow people. Cause that's not Dickey made plays at times. He's the best runner they've got. I also thought Drew Dickey and I didn't log it. I thought he made the fewest mistakes of of the guys he and maybe seals probably made fewer mistakes than anybody that I saw take snaps in the fall. I think that counts for something. I think running counts for something. I, I don't know why Drew Dickey continually gets undersold, but to me, if you're going to play a third guy at, at this point, and again, Walter Taylor, t- two years from now, we may be talking about Walter Taylor is an all sec quarterback. I'm not denying any of the talent or the things that people see, but um, I'm, I'm a little more bullish on Drew Dickey and think he could be more part of the answer than, than perceived. But I, I think I'm alone in that opinion. All right, let's close it out with this one. Uh, here is one of my concerns this off season from, from the same guy. Coach Clark Lee has preached patience that his way will work, but the process requires learning painful lessons until we learn how to win with this mindset. How difficult do you think it will be for Clark to fire and replace assistant coaches this off season, not affording them the same amount of patience he says is required. Um, now it's listen. It, it's hard for everybody. I mean, Luke, you know this. You were under what seven or eight coaches at Vanderbilt. Uh, you know, oh wow, eleven. <laughs> so over undersold you it there. Goes to eleven. 11. <laughs> eleven coaches. So you know, you've seen coaches come in. You've seen coaches leave. Um, you know, it's hard to fire coaches. It, it and it's hard to find new coaches, <laughs> right? So I, I think. That's something that coaches don't want to do, but if they have to, you know, they will. Um, you know, and I, and I talked about it after the uh, the UNLV game. I said I think this this loss prompts sort of begins the uh, the foundation of some potential changes, um, whether that's coaching, whether that's systems, whether that's whatever it is. Right? Um, I think this is a this will be an off season full of changes, um, but in terms of the you know, the approach from Clark and preaching patience. And, you know, I don't know that I, I think you get to a point and I don't know if you agree here, Luke, where, you know, you can preach patient, preach patience, but 
you know, there's also a little bit of urgency, I think, especially in an off season after a season like this. Now the season's not over yet, of course, but um, you know, it almost feels like it is in a way. I don't know what you guys think there. Well, um, go ahead, Luke. Hey, Chris. Oh, you, you first. Uh, two things about changing coaches. And again, this goes back to what Chris was talking about. Uh, how are we committed or whatever? I, I've known two staffs that changed, wanted to change coaches and weren't allowed to because financially they weren't going to give them any more money to do it. Mm-hmm. So you're stuck with who you've got in those instances. So you can't blame a football coach for that. You have to blame the administration, whether that be the athletic director or chancellor or whatever, board of trust, however you want to look at it. Okay. The ones that changed coordinators and were given the money to change coordinators, that's the thing. Which which will this be? And for Clark's sake, it better be if he if he feels like he needs to change coordinators, he ought to be able to do it. And he ought to be able to be unlimited in the money that he needs to spend if you're behind Clark Lee. And if you're not, then what are we doing anyway? So that's simple to me. Uh, it's all going to be on administration, whether or not they give him the money to do what he wants to do. Vanderbilt always plays these little games in, in which they predetermine the answer ahead of time. Uh, and then they use themselves to dance around the, the fixes. Uh, and I heard this with Derek Mason. You you could just see – and then look, Clark, Clark is not performing a lot better than Derek did at this point. Now, I, I think that um, – I think I trust Clark to figure out more than I do Derek. Um, but that they would, well, you know, Derek's not the problem. The problem is facilities, and we're not giving him what he needs to win. And Derek didn't have the coordinators he needed. So you know what they did? They went out and actually got respectable coordinators at times. Um, Andy Ludwig, I think we're seeing he's he's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, they brought in who was it? They brought they brought in Ted Roof for one year. His last mm-hmm. year, Ted Roof had a, a pretty decent track record of success at some past stops. I mean, they were they were better coordinators than I've seen a, a lot of years. I won't start naming names, but you, you the, the fans can. They know the names. It, at least they had guys. You know, in other words, they're they're determined. Derek's not the problem, so we're going to put it off on these guys and we're going to replace them. Um, that that's one thing. Number two. I think a lot of times you know you know a really good coach when you see it. You come in and you see a difference right away. Uh, for example, Hugh Freeze. Look at how quickly he turned it around at Ole Miss. Uh, on this staff, I would point to special teams. I think Justin Lustig was a highly respected coach. He's a good coach. You're seeing results of that on the field. Uh, now, I think you got some guys on this staff that just inherited bad situations. Uh, you know, at running back, I don't think you're going to take that room and make those guys and all SEC guys. You could probably go other position groups, but to to me, the answer is somewhere between where they've been and where they're going. And and if if you believe in this guy, make sure your assistants or or, or the guys that that he's got, you got the budget to do it. I've, I've rambled and gone all over the place there, but I hope I made some sense in between. Yeah, you know, coaches have such an impact on players and on teams. I mean, you've seen it, Luke. Chris, you've seen it. A great coach has a huge impact, but a bad coach also has a huge impact. 
right? So it, it kind of goes both ways. I think, um, you know, I'll, I'll just say there, there will probably be um, some changes. Again, I'm not going to say what I think those are quite yet. I think the season still has to play out. Um, but I think looking back to the Andy Ludwig hire, you've got to give some credit to Coach Mason. Um, you know, he had a, his original OC in there year one, but year two, he brought in Andy Ludwig from Wisconsin. Um, and it ended up being a really good hire. So, you know, there's some decisions that will have to be made, and and uh, you know, we'll see how everything plays out. Let, let me clarify one thing. Um, I think the Vanderbilt problem in a nutshell is this. Um, they they could make me the offensive defensive coordinator today, um, and the performance would be bad. And they could say, well, he doesn't have any talent or he hasn't had any time to develop his guys or whatever. No, the, the fact would be I'm a bad defensive coordinator or offensive coordinator or head coach or whatever, and you could put whatever you want to put around me. It's not going to work. And, and the Vanderbilt problem for years has been it has all stunk to high heavens uh, to the point that you can plausibly point a finger wherever you want to point it and make it believable and then use that as cover to give such and such a chance and such and such a chance where – such and such is also part of the problem, if that makes sense. Uh, and 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 now we're pointing the finger again at yeah. Well, I mean, we can. I think we can plausibly point the finger at. Do, do they have enough resources to win? I've got I've got questions there. Uh, and the longer you don't give a guy resources, the more cover that gives you to 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 point the finger back at yourself and lather, rinse, repeat. And that's that's just the cycle that Vanderbilt has been in as long as I've covered it. And that's why I say you've got to examine every aspect of this program as it touches everything else on campus and get an honest look somewhere else because otherwise we're going to be sitting here five years from now and pointing the fingers at the same stuff. Yep. I yeah. agree. Yeah, we had a late one come in. Do you all think Clark will make changes uh, in the offseason? Um, I, I personally do. Uh, again, I don't really know. Uh, exactly where those come and when they come, but I mean, I think changes are coming. And really, not 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 just with coaching, but I think you know maybe with some some things just with how the the program operates as well. Um, so, let me say one thing about that too as well. And maybe I wasn't clear earlier, but a lot of this has to do with okay, if you're paying, I'm just throwing out numbers here. If you're paying a million dollars for your offensive coordinator, and they tell you. Or, or Clark says, hey, I got a guy, I can get him here, but we got to pay him $2 million. And they say, no, you only get a million. That's your budget for OC. That's all you can pay. Well, then he, people criticize, well, why did he hire him? Well, you, you get what you pay for. And that's, Luke, that's- you're, you're articulating what I'm wondering. And, and look, every, every coach, Bill Belichick had a first coaching job somewhere. Just because you're young and new, um, man, this is killing Oreo. I don't know if you guys can hear it. But, um, I mean, just because you are young does not mean that you are a bad, <laughs> a bad coach. I love it. <laughs> you want me to close it out, Chris? This should just be the soundtrack for, for Vanderbilt football. Um, What is going on? Okay, I think he's done. <laughs> I think if you compare 
their staff and how long these guys have spent at power five jobs compared to other staffs in the sec. And I haven't done the audit and, and I'm not counting Vanderbilt. I'm, I want to go outside Vanderbilt, look at other places. I bet you they are 14th in experience in the sec. I, I, again, I, I would have to look it up, but I, I just think that, and again, you, you can carry a couple of guys who are pretty talented because those guys, everybody needs a first break at some point. But I, I do wonder if we did the math and compared them to the other 13 schools in the league, what would that look like? Because I have a feeling I know what it would look like. Yeah, I I think there's some coaches that have made stops at SEC schools, but I don't know if it's really been anything significant. I might even yeah. look into that, Chris. Um, it's a good observation. But but yeah, that'll uh, that'll wrap up the mailbag. Did Oreo have a question, Chris? Uh, I think he's he's gotten out his full allotment today. So <laughs> it's not a podcast without him making a <laughs> Oreo goes. Oh, the podcast is ending. Let, let me make right. my presence felt. Right, uh, man, <laughs> gentlemen. Um, I'm I'm done with thoughts. How about you guys? Is uh, done. going to Florida? Joey is going. That's what I thought. Okay, yeah. Yeah, we'll have a uh, we'll have last minute thoughts with Joey, um, and then uh, obviously I'll be virtual. Now I won't be down there, and then I think Joey will be able to to do a little bit of a post game show after uh, as well from I think from the swamp from Florida Field. So uh, should be uh, should be fun. All right, gentlemen, th- thanks for joining us. I uh, hope we didn't ruin anybody's hearing with the last five minutes of the show. Apologies <laughs> if we did. Um, <laughs> any case, um, I'm Chris Lee. He's Billy Derrick and Luke Wyatt. Thanks to both of you guys for joining us. Thanks to the audience for listening. Be sure to hit the subscribe button, hit the like button, tell a friend that helps us out. All right. This is Chris Lee. This has been the Vandy Sports Podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon.